Amen. So we have been working on the call of God here. I guess I can erase Oscar from the corner of the board. We're working on the call of God, and there have been a bunch of different calls. Um, started with Adam, of course, worked our way through multiple different folks, uh, different directions that God is kind of touching people in their lives and things. Last week, we looked at Elijah, and he had just gone through a very, very, we'll call it a busy day, okay, and he had a busy life and a lot of things. Um, God had done amazing, great things through him and kind of wore him right out, and once he was all worn out, uh, he was done. He was just at the end of his rope. He felt like he was completely spent. And he went and laid down and said, I want to die. I want to be done with this whole thing. And that's a tough, tough place to be if you've been uh, discouraged. But God's answer, because he said, I'm the last one here. And, and there's just nothing's ever happened. Uh, nobody's going to help me. I'm, I'm the only one that stands up. And God says, no, 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 I've got people. I've got 7,000 and I've got jobs for you. You need to go find this and make him king and go do this and anoint him as king. And then I need you to find this guy named Elisha. And Elisha was the man that, I'll use the words, God set up to replace Elijah. Now that's not really... The truth, nobody's going to replace Elijah, but he's going to come and mentor under Elijah for a while, and eventually he's going to take the place of, of being the prophet of Israel, Okay, the main prophet. There are others, of course, but he's one that we start to hear about a little bit more. We see a bunch in the book of 1 Kings and 2 Kings about his life, what God does with him. And so he gets a call in a very unusual way, and he is, he's got the call of God kind of to continue, okay, to continue a ministry. That's what he is going to get his call to do. So I want to start with a story about a man that I met uh, Years back at a place I used to work, very first day I walked into work, and I came and there was a service guy, and he worked on refrigeration. He was very good at what he did. And when I first met him, he was, uh, had just come back from a service call, pulled the van in, walked in, and my boss introduced myself to him, said, here's a guy you're going to learn, uh, you're going to teach, and... Uh, He's going to learn about refrigeration and all these different things. And when John had his first conversation with me alone, he looked at me and says, I'm not going to teach you a thing about refrigeration. And I kind of looked right back at him and said, well, if you're not going to teach me, I'm still going to learn from you. One way or another, I'm still going to learn about it. See, John had been through several young technicians that had come, and he taught them, and he put time into them, and he learned, uh, he, he had taught each one of these young men to come through, and then they left. And he was kind of burned out from all of that. 
And he was very clear he was not going to teach me one thing about refrigeration. So it's funny, I, I came in, I had a set of gauges. There's uh, gauges that you use to, to work on refrigeration. I had gauges. I had scrounged up in the shop and found this hose and that hose. I found a set that didn't leak, put it all together, and I was working on something. And he came in. He says, your hoses are all the wrong color. And he walked away. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. Over time, slowly, he kind of decided I was okay. And at least by default, I learned from some refrigeration until we became pretty close friends. And uh, he was a loner, but we worked close together. He was a guy that just wanted to be left alone. He'd been there for many years. And he worked there for more years after I left, finally. We, by the time I left, he was pretty sad that I left. We had worked on many, many jobs together and done many things. Uh, we were accused of being too happy on the job site. So <laughs> a couple people, okay, well, I guess if that's the worst thing you could call me, uh, I guess you can go and tell my boss that. I don't know. So... We learned and worked together, and he just recently passed away here, but uh, it was many years I would catch him in a store somewhere, and we would stop and talk about old times and, and just kind of reminisce about those days when we worked with each other and had fun with each other. It's, it's that way a little bit, I think, with Elijah and Elisha. You know, Elijah's been the guy who's gone through it all already. He's already been through all of the hard times, the hard knocks. And Elisha's just kind of this younger guy. We don't know his age, really. Uh, but we assume he's somewhat younger than Elijah. And Elisha, God says, that's the guy I picked to do it. Elijah, you go and you I know you're a loner, he said, but you go and get this guy ready to work with me. You, you prepare him. So Elijah is sent on his way. Now remember, Elijah is very experienced. He has fought and battled some of the most evil leaders that Israel ever saw. Ahab and Jezebel personally battled against them. They were out for his life. And God says, well, I want you to bring this kid in and you teach him all you know. Kind of like John, I think his first response is, okay, I'm going to do it, but you can't make me do any of this. I'll go and do what I got to do, all right? But I'm not going to make you learn. I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to work you to do this, okay? So... Here he is. This is something to know about leaders. All right. The big thing to know about leaders. God can turn around the world. With one man. If he wants to. He can turn around the world with one man. An obedient leader. He can do that. But it is also really important to know that every one of those leaders is human. Remember, if you are someone that looks up to a leader, be careful. 
be aware they're human too. They have, and we talk about the call of God, okay? They have this, this call that comes from God to go do this job. And many people say, okay, well, I'm all set. Once I get my leader, I could sit on my hands and I'm all set. That's not how it works. Understand this. Their energy, their energy is not inexhaustible. They're humans, just like you. They get tired. They get discouraged. They get a little behind in things. And they falter and they fail. They're humans. That's what happens with them. Oftentimes, in opportunities that I have had to do ministry and things, it is before, immediately before, or immediately after those opportunities of great opportunity to do something good for God, where I get weak, I falter, I fail, I get tired. Or when I get right to the end of it, and I've spent my energy, and I've done everything to try to do the very best for God. And then I get back, and my mind relaxes a little, and that's where trouble begins. In my experience, that's the time after I've been spent, or when God says, I've got this for you to do. Those are the times when temptations are greatest, when I've fallen into things, when I say, boy, I, I just deserve a moment of relaxation. That's when struggle is the greatest. That's when I might sit down and say, I'd, I'd like something to entertain me for a moment. That's when I fall into something that isn't so good. That's when I fail. Because I'm a human. Just like every one of you, I'm a human. That's when I, my mind might wander. I might have lustful thoughts. I might have wrong things. And I have had those things. I've struggled. That's when, when my children ask for just one more thing. Just one more thing. They've got to be up. And they're up as late as they could possibly. Can't you go to bed? That's when my anger is the strongest. When I'm asked to do things and I'm trying to prepare for those things, that's when it's the toughest. And I think that's what happened with Elijah. He got to that point and he just was spent and he was done. I just give up. And in your mind, you get to that point, you've struggled, you've worked. Oftentimes, I have struggled with boredom. Or a cold heart, selfishness, pride. Leaders have the very same struggles, except there's no one to talk to about it. That gets to be where the struggle is. And people get those things inside and there's nobody out there to say, well, I could just share this with anybody very hard to share your faults and your failures with the world. And so you've seen, you may have heard even of uh, 
some apologists and evangelists lately who have fallen and faltered and failed. And the world is disappointed in them. And that's a hard place to be in. Because when do you say, I'm just going to tell the truth? That's a hard place. So as a leader, you step up and you say, oh, that's a burden in a way. And yet it's a great blessing. That's the part of the call of God that is hard. Their struggles are real. They're human. Their struggles are real. They too are battling, usually secretly and behind closed doors from everybody is where their battles are. They may not be out in the public with their battles, but that's where they struggle. So let's go to 2 Kings, I'm sorry, 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter number 19. So we pick up this story at the end of Elijah's struggle into when he is called to get Elisha, his uh, young man that he's going to mentor. 1 Kings chapter number 19, verse number 14 we pick up Elijah's answering to God, okay, he's just been really, he's been laid out for days and days, struggling with God, trying to figure out where he stands. Verse 14 of chapter 19, 1 Kings. And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with a sword, and I, even I, only am left. And they may seek my life and take it away. And the Lord said unto him, Go return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And here's our important part. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room, or in your place. And it shall come to pass, to him that escapeth the sword of Haziel shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me seven thousand in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which has not kissed him. Here is the thing also to note. Oftentimes with leaders, we, we have pride with what we do. And one big lesson we learn is we are replaceable. All of us. Sometimes we think, well, God can't have this ministry go on if I'm not here. Oh, yes, he can. If he chooses to do so, he can raise up somebody from anything. He can raise Lazarus from the dead. He can put a leader in place he wants. So for us to always know that we can be replaced is a good thing. It brings a little bit of humility. And that's not, not that we want to replace our leaders all the time, but we certainly want our leaders to have humility. And so Elijah is told, you'll train this guy. Just like John, you're going to train him on a refrigeration. Oh, sure I am. 
I'm going to teach you one thing. Elijah is told what to do. You're going to go do this. So let's go to verse number 19. And Elijah goes to do what he's told to do. Verse 19 of the same chapter. And so he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him. And he with the twelve, and Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle on him. Okay, it's kind of like a hood scarf type of thing. He, he walks by, literally walks by, and throws the thing on him, keep walking. Verse 20, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah. So you know he was moving. I'm just going. Here, I did it. I did what I was supposed to do. I threw my thing on there. You're the guy. I'll see you later. So he keeps walking. Verse 20, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done unto thee? Okay, that's kind of an old English way to say it. But essentially, he said, I'm not telling you to do anything. You read other translations, some of it says, I don't care if you go or you stay. Whatever you want. I did my job. I don't care if you go or you stay. Now, it doesn't seem very kind of Elijah, right? But remember, he's pretty beaten down at this point. He doesn't feel like nobody wants to pick their replacement and say, I'm going to teach you all I know. Because you know what happens then, right? You're out. (laughs) Once you teach you all you know, you're out. That's a tough place to be. Verse 21. And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen, slew them, and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen, gave unto the people, and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. So Elisha gets the call by Elijah's coat. And they throw it on you as I go by, and I'm going. I'm leaving. I'm walking right through. And Elijah, you stay, you go, whatever you want to do. Elijah went, he left. But that coat meant something. That coat meant God is now resting his spirit, his purpose on you. I took it off me and I put it on you. God is resting that purpose on you. It means something. Now, I've been a part of a couple of different ceremonies where I've laid hands on another minister and prayed for them. A couple of things where there's been some anointing, things like that. Most of what it is is asking for God. That's what's really the important part of any sort of anointing or passing on of things is you can't do it with a coat you need God and more than God you need God's call for you people have asked me since I was probably 11 years old are you going to be the pastor of this church today I don't know and I am not claiming anything till God says you're going to do that never because I do not want to be in the wrong place Unless if God says, here's what you do. So you do what God says today. That's what you do. And you wait. 
on God for the next step. And lots of times those steps are a long time in between. You just do this until I tell you the next step. That's what God, that's how he works with us. You keep doing what I last told you to do till I come back to you and tell you the next step. And that's what it is. So God's spirit is now on Elijah's shoulders, okay? This is God's spirit. Seems like he's now been transferred to. But Elijah is still a very important person in this. Elijah's not finished. What Elisha does is goes and ministers to Elijah. Elisha goes and ministers to Elijah. What does that mean? He serves him. He helps him. He does what he needs to do. And if you're going to learn to be a good leader, you better be, learn to be the best servant. That's what you have to do. That's the only way to do it. So here's where we say, well, our, our leaders are just like us. Every person here. Your leader needs encouragement. Okay? His, he's not inexhaustible in his... In his power, and his strength, and his energy. He needs encouragement. If you have Satan wandering around looking for you to seek whom he may devour, don't you think somebody who's got another job, who's, who maybe might speak to 10 people, or 50 people, or 10,000 people, they're going to be searched after by Satan as well. They need your prayers. They need your help. They need encouragement. They need to have their, your hand on their shoulder so that you can continue, that they can continue the work that's essential that they've been given. See, this is the thing about a leader, a good leader, at least in my estimation, is he has learned to work shoulder to shoulder with all the people that he has been given to pastor, to lead, to flock, whomever, whatever he's doing. That doesn't matter if it's a, in a church or in a business or anything. He has to learn to work shoulder to shoulder. And although responsibilities are different, it's I'm in this next to you. We're all in this doing this together because he can't do it alone. Like I said, you can't sit on your hands and say, well, I got a good leader now. I'm all set. Just wait for him to do it. Preparing our hearts before we get to church creates, that, that's our job as we get there. Okay? And believe me, I know. Got kids in my house, and there's craziness in my house and busyness, and that's the hardest thing to do is get. Five minutes to think about God because you're rolling in just trying to make it, right? <laughs> just, just trying to survive, right? And that's how it works in life oftentimes. But really, it is our task to prepare our hearts, to open us. That's what makes the songs and the sermons and the words and the friendship and the spirit comes on this place because we've all come prepared to do what we need to do. 
We all can, and yes, there's somebody that shovels the walk and mows the grass and puts out flowers and food and cleans the floors and do all that stuff. And that's all preparing so that when we come in this place, it's ready. And we say, God, we're ready for you. Every week, God, we're ready for you to be here. So we have a part, all of us have a part of making that leader's work effective. All right? So let's go to 2 Kings, okay? And here is one of the next things that we see in in Elijah and Elisha's life, okay, this is the last day Elijah's on earth. Now, Elijah and Elisha have worked together for some time, and they have learned to be great friends. They've learned to really be close to one another, all right? Second Kings chapter number 2, we pick up the story. Again, Elijah's last day on earth, Elisha knows it already. And we're going to pick it up at the first verse, chapter 2. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, wait here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. So what's Elijah's, Elisha's response? Elijah said unto him, As the Lord liveth and thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. And as the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elijah and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take thy master, uh, thy head today? And he said, I, Yea, I know it. Hold you your peace. So stop talking about it. I know Elijah's going today. I'm just trying to spend my last few hours, minutes, whatever, with him. And Elijah says, Yeah, hey, you, just, you just stay here. I'm going to go. No, no way. No way. I'm walking with you. I'm going with you to the very end. So Elisha has become loyal to Elijah. And they walk through town to town to town. Conversation. What do I do next? You're going to come up against these hard things. These things are going to be difficult. I'm sure their conversations have gone on since for this whole season that they're together. What is going to happen next? I don't know. But here's where you trust in God. Here's where you learn to do this. Here's where you're honest with people. Tell them, I've got faults. I don't come here to say I'm perfect. Tell them. Point them to God. That's what you need to do. Verse number 8. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters. And they were divided hither and thither. And so they went... They, too, went over on dry ground. So they came up to the Jordan River. And he takes his mantle and hits the thing, splits. <laughs> it's a nice thing, I guess, to be able to do. Got to go across the river here, so we're just going to touch the water, and it splits open for us. We walk across, and the waters go back in just after we've crossed. Verse number 9, it came to pass as they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said that thou hast a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. 
And when it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire, and the horses and fire, and parted in them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven, and Elisha saw it. And he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel, and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in pieces. It's gone. Elijah's gone. He says, If I do one thing for you, tell me what it is. And he says, I want double the spirit that you had. Now, when you first read that and look at that, it almost seems like it could kind of be this little young snot-nosed kid coming in saying, I want to be twice as good as you. I don't think that's at all what it means. I think it means something else personally. I think it means... He knew the struggles with which Elijah had. He watched and he saw. And he knew how much God was in Elijah's life. And he knew his own faults and his own failures. He said, I need twice what you have just to make it. When you go, I can't do this alone without twice as much of God's spirit in my life to help me. What I have learned is I can do nothing without Christ, right? That's really what we all learn in life. And yet, there are people depending on you like Elisha to lead them, to walk them. They go to, to him for miracles. They go to him for God's answers. They go to him for everything. And he says, I can't do that without God. I need twice as much because I'm nowhere near. What you are, Elijah. And so, he's it. He asked for that double portion, and it is the most valuable thing that's been passed along to him. That's what he realizes. Now, my parents, long ago, when I was born, gave me a name, Levi. Personally, it has meant, and I've been told from the beginning, it has meant that. The, my inheritance is God, like the tribe of Levi. I think I've also learned it's because they don't own anything else, right? So, <laughs> here, have that. That's what I got. But, <laughs> really, truly, it is the most valuable thing you give to your kids. Nothing else that you could pass on to them will help them in their life. You give them money and it might trip them up might actually take them down. You give them opportunities and they might learn not to be appreciative. You give them God and you say, this is it. That's what you do. That's what you look for. That's where you walk. If you give them that and you point them that way, that's the inheritance that will last. The only one. Everything else will fade away. And so he goes off with his he watches Elijah leave. He gets twice the Spirit of God. He says, if you see me go, you're going to get twice the Spirit of God because God is looking for people to say, I need you more, God. I need you more. I cannot do this alone. That's what he's looking for. And that's what a leader can say and realize 
is that they cannot do it without God. Verse 13 and 14, he also took up his mantle, took up the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Here he is. Let's test it out. Grab that mantle. Elijah just hit the water and it split. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. Just daily miracles. And we've seen them here for years, decades we've seen them. God providing in amongst all our situations. No matter what, God provides those daily miracles, those little things that might be only you know about. Might be a few little people know about or a small group. He's faithful. Elisha is faithful to the end. If we follow our callings, if we follow the call of God, and whether you're called to be a leader in any capacity, and it might be in any small group, in a group of friends, you might be the leader. You might be a natural leader in certain ways. Maybe where you work. Maybe the things you do there. Make sure we don't waste away our opportunities. They come, and God wants us to use them. God may have put a coat on your shoulders and say, I want you to do this. I made you for this. I created you for this. Go out and do it. Now here's an interesting thing. Elisha does a lot of miracles. He fills ditches with water. He fills jugs with oil. He makes an axe head float in the water. Okay? Happens to be a guy loses his axe head and says, oh, it was borrowed, right? And he's, oh, okay, and it floats in the water. It's iron. Iron doesn't float, in case if you don't know. All right? He heals Naaman's leprosy. And God does things through him, many things through him, both Elijah and Elisha. But Jesus says, uh, Luke 4.27, or 4.24-27, Jesus talks about Elijah and Elisha and says, they were never accepted in their own country. A prophet's never accepted. The people don't accept him. When they have a job, they stand back and judge him. They stand back and say, oh, well, he could be this, or he's probably not, or he's not that. People didn't accept him. And he said, because of that, because the people didn't accept him, Elisha only healed one leper. Naaman was the only one. He said there were thousands of lepers that he could have healed. But because the people didn't do their job and believe and walk in their side, they only stood back and said, well, there's that guy up there. That guy. People didn't believe, and so God didn't work in their lives. It's a hard thing, one of those difficult things, as you have seen, and you watch Elijah's a loner, 
right? Elisha, he's not as much of a loner, but any leader, any leader, whether they're surrounded by people or not, they feel loneliness. They feel alone in their lives. Any leader who is called to do anything, they have a struggle before them because they're put out there. So be aware not to put them on a pedestal, okay? Not to put them to standards that you yourself cannot live to. But to put them in a place where they say, they need my prayers. They need my help. They've got a job to do. I've got a job to do. Let's go and do it together. Real leadership is filled with those times when it's difficult, when you're all alone. But you know when there are people there supporting you. This church is filled with people that support lots of other people in lots of ways. Kind and friendly ways. Lots of different things they do. Okay, They're important. They're very important. Think about those people who are called to minister to you. Pray for them. Think about them and the things they have. Their struggles are real. Their temptations are real. Those things uh, are constantly in front of them. Okay, Just like yours in your life. Constantly there. And know that those people, that loneliness or that aloneness that they have, okay, that's real. In any leader, it's life. That's something they might have a family, they might have hundreds of people around them. But they have that innate aloneness where you're called to go do that. You're the one. You step up and do it. Okay? And that's, there's nobody else going to stand up and help you with that. You're just going to do that job. And so, need to be supportive of leaders. We all need to be. Because God calls them, and God transfers as time goes on. He says, I've got people for things. And it may not work all the same way it always did. But remember how important it is, as he puts that coat, the call of God, and says, there it is, it's on you. It's resting on you. Help those people. Elisha needs it. Elijah needs it. People, they're just humans. They just have been given a call to go do something. So, an important lesson we learn, the call of God is not always easy, but it is necessary for God's work in this world. He calls people to do it. So, thank you very much. Have a good day. Thank you.